it speaks to the passion of parents who just wanted to make a change. They, they had to do something to help their kids. Every morning we pray I'd, and I'd say to the parent, be a mom. Tell people what you feel. Tell, talk about your children, you know, and um, and I'd see their faces and, and they would say, Miss G, are we really, we're gonna win this? And I said, oh yeah, we're gonna win this, you know. I didn't know, but I told them we were gonna win this. And um, it, it was amazing. That was probably some of the proudest moments of my life. And um, my best job was being a mama. And, but my proudest moment was fighting for the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program with a group of parents who I'm still, many I'm still friends with. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, thanks for joining us for a special edition of American Potential. I'm really excited about this episode. You know, most people can agree that getting an education is important, but when it comes down to the individual student, they all learn differently. So when a student is restricted to a school because of where they live, there is not a guarantee that the student is, it's, is in their best learning environment. And our guest today started her journey with school choice in the 1960s when she and her twin sister were one of the 130 students that were selected to desegregate the high schools in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, fast forward to when her children were in school and she saw how disengaged and unsafe it was for her son in the school he was assigned to. So, she had to take action through grassroots advocacy work and a group that of dedicated parents that were able to get the DC Opportunity Scholarship program passed. Her story is so inspiring that there was a movie made about it called Miss Virginia. It is a great movie, by the way, and an inspirational story, and I highly recommend watching it. She's also written two books about her experience, along with advice, and they're called Voices, Choices, and Second Chances, and School Choice, A Legacy to Keep. I want to welcome Virginia Walden Ford to the podcast. Miss Virginia, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm just delighted. Now, first of all, I understand you're included in Ambassador Nikki Haley's book, if you want something done, uh, tell us a little bit about that. She shared your story there. Yeah, uh, she did. And I was honored and delighted. Um, I met her a few years back and always, you know, thought a lot of her, uh, her brilliance. I mean, she, she, and I think very similarly, but I got a call one day from her assistant saying, I need your address. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I sent it and, um, and the next thing I knew, I got a book and a whole and a chapter about my life. I I was just incredibly honored. I really, really think a lot of her. Well, that that's really special. It um, is. It, it, now, I, I want to really tell folks if they're listening to this podcast and they haven't watched the movie Miss Virginia to watch it. It really 
number one, it's a, it's a, it's a really powerful movie. I love the, 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 the movie itself. It's entertaining. It's all those things. But as you and I were talking, it's also very accurate. I mean, you, you were an advisor on the movie and they were, you were involved in the production and you really feel like they captured the story accurately and fairly. Absolutely, Jeff. It, they were amazing and and how they called me every day to make sure that this was right or that was right. We went through a number of scripts before we got to the one that was actually produced. And I was just delighted that they really wanted to tell the truth. So many times, you know, stories are told about groups such as us and um, it's made up stuff. And so I I, t- I remember telling them in the beginning, you don't have to make up nothing. You just got to pick out what you want to put in here because <laughs> it was quite a journey. And so I, I'm delighted with the movie. I love it. I watched it last night <laughs> and uh, I watch it frequently. And uh, it's, it's a really a fan movie. It, it tells the spirit of parents and how parents when faced with the kind of situations, all parents faced with the kind of situations that we often are faced with with our children can stand up and fight. It looks so big sometimes, but it is part of who we are as parents to make sure our children have their true advocate. I am my child's advocate. Well, and you you really are a hero in this movement. And I, I want to just say that. I, I mean, it, you know, there are so many parents that that just accept the circumstances that they've been given. You know, this this crazy yeah. idea that because you live in a certain zip code, that's where you have to go to school. We don't do that in, in anything else. We don't uh, say that because you go to you live in a certain zip code that you have to shop at a certain supermarket or whatever. You know, we just we, we don't do that in other areas. And it's just crazy that we do. But most parents just accept that. You didn't accept it. And that's the first and most important thing. You just wanted to advocate for your children. And man, I, I mean, what what love a mother has uh, for her son. And it really comes out in this movie. Thank you. Thank you. And I absolutely, they are my world. And, and let me say, you know, a lot of parents want to do this and don't know how. You know, they don't know they have a right to do it. I remember the first thing I said to a group of parents that I was working with who looked scared and not very involved in what I was saying, I remember saying to them, you have every right to fight for your child, you know, and um, a, a light went on in their eyes. You know, I could see it where all of a sudden they realize that they do have every right to fight for their child. I go all over the country talking to parents and invariably everybody feels um, that they can't fight because somebody will bother their family or somebody will take it out on their children. I mean, I remember being in out and about and in the newspaper and doing things and fighting hard and I'd be on TV and one of my three children came home and said, you know, they, mama, they being mean to us. And I had to really think about that. Is this affecting their lives? So I sat them down and I said, if you, you want me to stop, I'll stop. Because it's nothing more important than you all being safe 
and loved and in environments that, you know, that you can thrive in, blah, blah, blah. And um, and they said, no, we don't want you to stop. We're really proud of you. And that's my message often to parents. Your children want you to stand with them, to stand up for them, to stand shoulder to shoulder with them, because it gets really hard sometimes. You know, some of the things in the film, you know, show teachers, principals would put William, my youngest son, who is James in the film, whose real name is William, they would put him in a category and and just kind of push him away. And those are the kids that get really lost in a system. So parents have a responsibility to fight, but it was not easy. It was a hard fight. I didn't know what I was doing most of the time. I was just speaking my piece like my mama used to always tell me to do. And I got a, a lot of uh, pushback. You know, people were not nice to me. People were mean to me sometimes. Um, I got threatening calls, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, I look at my child or my children and this one child I was fighting for at that time, and I look at him and go, he is worth it, whatever happens, you know. I just want him to be okay, just like my parents were with me. When my sister and I were the second round of desegregating schools in Arkansas, that, you know, the first round was the Little Rock Man. They really got a fit. And then the federal government came back and said, now nah, y'all got to continue to desegregate the schools. We sent in federal troops to, to protect the Little Rock Nine. Y'all got to keep going. And so that's when we were chosen to go. And I remember saying to my dad, I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I want to go to the black high school where my older sister had gone. And my dad said, and this stayed with me my entire life, you have a responsibility to go to this school, do well, because you have younger siblings. If you don't do it, where would they get the courage to move forward in their lives? And even at 14, I got it. I understood it. And that followed me. And that's what we say to parents. We say to parents, get out and fight for your child. You have every right. You have a responsibility. But it's pretty scary. I mean, it's you know, when people you've seen on TV or in local um, government or somebody calls you names and says ugly things to you, the last thing you want to do is continue to talk to them. You want to go home <laughs> and hide yeah. on your door. It's a hard right. thing to do. It really well, is. It, it takes courage. And as I said, heroes have courage. One of the things I love about your story and what you're talking about now is, uh, you know, I think Americans tend to choose, all people tend to choose to either be a victim or a victor. Uh, and, yes. uh, you know, you chose to be a, a victor. You decided I'm not going to be a victim. My son is not going to be a victim. My children aren't going to be victims. I'm going to own whatever obstacle, frankly, government puts in front of me. And, uh, and you did that through this uh, DC Opportunity Scholarship Program. Uh, do you, talk about that. And then, uh, you know, the, the idea of someone saying, I'm not going to be a victim to this. I'm not going to accept what somebody's telling me I must accept. I'm going to fight forward. And you did that from, uh, you know, being a small girl in Little Rock uh, up through this issue in the District of Columbia. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing thing when one day you wake up and realize I'm not a victim. I'm American. I'm going to fight. You know, I'm going to do what I can to make sure that my child has access to whatever he needs and convincing other parents to stand with me was um, a job in itself. I mean, but at the end of the day, I parents would stand up and go, you're right, Miss Virginia, we have to fight for our children. And thousands, pe- people, I don't even know if people even realize how many people in D.C. said, we'll stand with you. Thousands. And uh, around the country. And that's what we have to do. It, but but it's not easy. You know, we've been taught all our lives to not buck authority. And government is authority. And so you sit back and you say, well, if I say something, will I be right or will I be wrong or will anybody listen to me? If I, if you don't mind, I'd like to describe my very first hearing was with the Education and Workforce Committee. Dick Army was the chairman and, uh, and I, I liked him immediately. And he had told me that day, be, uh, don't worry, it'll be okay. You know, I'll be there. And so there were maybe 15 people, some Republicans, some Democrats, in on this committee. And there were three parents, and I was the first speaker. And the first thing somebody said to me was, you have no right to be here. You just don't have a right to be here. We, You have to go by the rules that we set, and you have been brainwashed by people that are involved in all of this. And and I remember sitting there thinking, oh, you must be crazy because this is my child, you know, and I will fight for my child. And I got angry and angry and by the time of the end of the hearing, I was leaving to go home and, and, and Representative Army was saying, you know, it'll be okay, Virginia. I was mad. And all the way to the uh, subway, which is two blocks away from where we were, I was just mad. But by the time I got to the subway, I thought, oh, what better way to prove them wrong than to not be mad and to fight? You know, and that that was the day I decided we have to fight. And along with a little ragtag group of mothers that I had talked to and gotten to be friends with, we fought. We fought hard. We were warriors. That's what we considered ourselves. But it is, it, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. I tell parents nowadays, you know, be a warrior. A lot of people don't even know what that means. We do. And yeah. stand up for your child. Now, now they have cell phones and stuff, but during my time, 20 years ago, it's been over 20 years. And uh, I used to tell parents, get a picture of your child and put it in your purse, your pocket, your wherever. And every time you get angry and tired and frustrated, take that picture out and look at it. This is who you're fighting for. You now they can look on their cell phones and have lots of pictures. But I carried that little picture of my son because I can't tell you how many times I got mad. And every time I would be upset, I would take a look at that picture and I would say, this is my baby. And he deserves to have the best life can give him. And if I have to fight, I will fight. And I did. And so, yeah. so did 
thousands of parents all over this country. I, I appreciate being looked and recognized. I do. But there were a bunch of heroes out there. Some I learned from, some I t never met but talked on the telephone to and with. And, um, and they, we would all say the same thing. This is for our kids. You know, if you, mom and daddy ain't going to fight for you, who will? Wow. You know. And you you've had you have two of the greatest quotes I think I've ever heard at the beginning of uh, of this you said uh, I'm not a victim I'm an American w what a quote that is and then you what you just said which if if your mommy and daddy aren't going to fight for you who will I mean case closed <laughs> no, nothing else needs to be said than those two things yeah well it has become my passion and I I look at children all over this country. It's better. There are a lot of school choice programs. There are a lot of kids that are, are in charter schools. There are a lot of kids that are being homeschooled. It's, it's better, but it's not perfect, you know. And I've been in this a while, and somebody said, well, when are you going to retire? Because I am getting up that age. And uh, I said, I will retire when I believe that every child in America has a quality education, is in a school, is in a place where they can thrive and learn and get everything that we, we, we promised them. We promised them. We promised our children that we would take care of them and we would look out for them and we would fight for them. And somehow we, we lost that passion or that energy. So 20 years ago, a lot of parents stood up and said, we don't take this anymore. You know, the hardest part of the D.C. fight was we were trying to talk with federal legislators who didn't have invested interest in D.C. Uh -huh. You know, they were from other places. We didn't vote right. for them. And so their thing was, oh, okay, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, we'll, we'll look into it or we'll think about it. and. At some right. point, Senator Feinstein, Diane, who, God rest her soul, stood up and said, you know, this is a D.C. This is a federal city. We have responsibility for the children here. And, and then many others followed her. There were so many amazing legislators that stood up and said, um, we are responsible for D.C., you know, if if these kids in this city fail, what does that say for us? And uh, and so many of them came in and fought with us, fought beside us. You know, the legislator right. that's in the film kind of is a combination of a whole bunch of different people and uh, in one one character. But I could see Dick Army. I could see. Uh, Speaker Boehner, I could see Jeff Flex, I could see lots of them in that one character because they stood with us and said, nobody's going to just say nobody cares about DC kids. Let's fight for them. And I think when the DC program was finally passed and implemented, the country saw something different. You know, we could fight because, you know, they told us we were going to win. And they told us we were wasting our time. But when we won, 
the rest of the country, the parents in the rest of the country said, oh, if they can do it, maybe we can. And there right. have been so many incredible parents that have come through the system since that time. Yeah. You, you, one of the things I love about this story, you talked about some of the legislators, Dick Army, who, who I knew worked and, and worked with a little bit. Dick Army was a Republican, very conservative Republican, Diane Feinstein, a uh, much more liberal Democrat. But yeah. you were working with anyone to, to do good. Anybody who would help you, you would work with them. It wasn't about parties. It was about the kids. It was about empowering these kids and these parents. And that's what I love about, about your story, particularly, and, uh, and, and this Opportunity Scholarship Program in D.C. Yeah, I, it, it was amazing how many people stepped up. And, uh, but let me tell you this one story. This is kind of cool. So we were, <laughs> <laughs> we were fighting really hard, and we were up on the hill every day, and we were you know, talking to parents. And one of the things we did was we'd go to offices where we didn't have appointments, particularly Democrats. And uh, we signed a guest book, and it'd be 40 parents and African-American, Hispanics, all kinds of parents, just parents. And we go sign the guest books. And so we had heard that the chairman of the apportionment committee, the appropriations committee, was uh -huh. um, going to not vote for our program. He was just dead set against it. His name is Rodney Freelandhausen. I don't know why I can't, mm -hmm. I can remember that and can't remember other things. And so we were <laughs> in his office, I liked him, and he had announced on the news that he was not going to advise people to vote for this scholarship program. He just wasn't interested. So we got to his office, 50 of us, and uh, we were signing the guest book. And we were there a long time because it take a long time for 50 people to sign a guest book. And he walked in and he said to his staff, who are these people? And we had T-shirts that said, D.C. Parents for School Choice. And he said, well, why are you here? And I said, well, we just want you to know us and know about us. He told his staff to find a conference room. And they found chairs for every one of us that were there. And for three hours. He listened to our stories three hours, and um, and we told him what we were feeling, and he was very gracious. And the next day, he voted to support the program, and wow. so it it was amazing. That's a true story, and it, it was amazing for us because it was early in the battle and was the first kind of win we ever had, and uh, so it. It's, it was a lot of reasons that we just kept fighting. We get up in the morning through tears, take our kids to school, put on our armor, and go to Capitol Hill, where many of us had never been. A lot of the parents yeah. that were involved in the fight lived in D.C. all their lives and never had been to Capitol Hill or to the Capitol or to right. any of those office buildings or anything. So it, it was amazing. It was. It, it, it's one of the things I really love about your story, too, and it shows the power. Ordinary citizens who, yep. you know, as you said, you, you weren't, you know, regulars on Capitol Hill or been knew how to do this. You didn't have big hired gun lobbyists working for you. This was a grassroots effort of parents coming together and say, we, we've just got to do something. And, and that passion 
to have, first of all, to find a place on Capitol Hill where 50 people can go sit. That's no small task. I work no, there and I know that's was, not an easy thing was. to do. Mm-mm. Yeah. And, and, and then to have him listen to you for that amount of time and then to decide and, that he was going to vote for the program is, is really spectacular. But again, it, it speaks to the passion of parents who just wanted to make a change. They, they had to do something to help their kids. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, every morning we pray and people don't like when I say that, but we did. <laughs> we prayed a lot. Sure. I'd, and I'd say to the parents, be a mama. Tell people what you feel. Tell, talk about your children, you know, and um, and I'd see their faces and, and they would say, Mr. G, are we really we're going to win this. And I said, oh, yeah. We're going to win this, you know. I didn't know, but I told them <laughs> we were going to win this. And um, it it was amazing. That was probably some of the proudest moments of my life. And um, my best job was being a mama. And But my proudest moment was fighting for the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program with a group of parents who I'm still, many I'm still friends with. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just an amazing effort. But again, that this was happening all over America. I mean, parents were standing up and seeing successes. And, you know, Milwaukee was the first school choice city. And Zakia Courtney was one of the first uh, parent organizers. And seeing them have success in Milwaukee inspired us, you know. And uh, so it, it was quite a journey. You know, it has been quite a journey and it's not over yet. Yeah. No, it's not over yet, but but it's making great progress. It's picked up steam when you were involved was kind of the, you know, the early stages of this when when oh, it yeah. wasn't uh, overly popular. You know, one of the things that you've said, your son made a comment that when he was able to attend a private school, uh, that that he felt like somebody actually cared about his education besides you, his mother. Hey. I'm sure that made you feel good that he knew you cared. But when he said that, how did you feel? You know, it, uh, you know, it made my heart hurt. I, I don't know if I can make you understand, uh, anybody would understand it, but my heart hurt that he felt like nobody cared about whether he got a quality education, but me, I, I'm his mama, sure I care. And, but it made me even more determined that no mother would ever feel bad about her he, mother or father would feel bad about their role in their children's educational journey. It, um, it you know, I talked to him a little while ago. I, I talked to him a lot <laughs> and I talked to him a little while ago and he said, you know, mama, I saw the movie last night. And I said, so did I. He he really likes the movie, <laughs> and uh, he said people didn't care. You know, at least that's how I felt. He was fourteen years old. He said, you know, n- nobody seemed to care. Teachers, nobody. Even some of my family members had said to me, you know, don't girl, don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about that boy. He's gonna be what he's gonna be, and usually that means something very negative. And I remember thinking. That's no, this child is going to do well in life, and he has. And uh, 
but he but it it made it gave me even more energy to fight when he said that because I don't I think every parent ought to be proud of the role they play in their child's life. You know, we all are proud of the children, and we all are their supporters in learning. We hope, but to hear him say that that meant that he had heard that before to me. You know, I felt like if he really believes that that nobody cares whether he learns but me, then he's being in environments that are not healthy for him. And but he's an amazing young man, and he was always an amazing young man. Yeah, we just had to find a place where he could really thrive and where he could be. And that's why in the film, when I had to pull him out of the private school because I couldn't pay for it. Oop, true. (laughs) That was really, I mean, I can't see that part of the film and not cry because I remember how hurt I was. I did, I worked two jobs to make sure I could keep him in the school because I saw him making some progress. And when they wouldn't even work with me, and I don't want to say bad things about the school, but they had to run a school. They needed parents that could pay. And when they told me that he couldn't stay there because I couldn't pay, I was determined that no parent will ever feel, ever feel that way again. I still feel it. It was horrible telling him he had to go back to the school he had left. And it was it was a horrible, horrible feeling. Now, I still yeah. feel that. Wow. Well, you know, Miss Virginia, what what I started this off by talking about you being a hero. And I know there's lots of heroes out there in this battle for uh, our ch- our children and for school choice, but you certainly are one, and and I I, I I'm so Thank glad you. that you could take some time to to tell us the your story. And again, I would just encourage people to watch the movie Miss Virginia. Um, it it's uh it's an accurate movie, and it's really a heartwarming movie about a a mother that just wouldn't give up on on yeah. her son and and fought Absolutely. for him. So thank you for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I. You believe it or not, you probably can tell. I really like telling this story. I want people <laughs> to know that one mother can make a difference. One one mother's voice can make a difference, and that way, other mothers, our fathers, our grandmothers, our aunties, can go out and say, "She made a difference. I can too." That's yeah. really important to me. Yes. Well, thank you, Miss Virginia. We appreciate it. God bless you, and thanks for all that you do. Thank you. So amazing to have Miss Virginia Walden Ford as a guest. And, I mean, I said it. She's a hero, such a hero. I loved her two quotes uh, about, I'm not a victim, I'm an American. (laughs) Just, I love that. I love that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal it from her and use it. But, look, the, the power of that story is one, the idea of empowerment, of parents being empowered to go out and fight for their uh, kids' education. I love that. But the fact that a group of parents who'd never been, you know, really never been to Capitol Hill, didn't have to hire a lobbyist, it was grassroots, got together, said enough is enough. They fought, they 
they were polite in the way that they did it, but they were persistent. And you can, you can see that when you hear this interview with uh, Virginia Walden Ford. Uh, but if you watch that movie, it really does uh, talk about what a, what a great hero she is. And, and, you know, for so many that have followed after her uh, and have really fought for their children's education through this effort of uh, educational opportunity for, for K through 12 and for kids, um, she, she's truly a hero. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. Thank you.